0: to F.O.J.C. Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Good evening and welcome to Friday night F.O.J.C. Remnant Gathering. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the June 29th, 2023 edition of the FOJC Remnant Gathering. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour, we will be teaching the Word of God, because that's what we do here, and we're so thankful for all of you that are joining us for the broadcast this evening. We apologize for the late start. Got a little, had some storms and power outages and all of that stuff that goes with it. But we are on the firing line now, and so thankful for all of you that are joining us for the broadcast. Our study for this evening is entitled Battle Cry, Crucify the World. As always, there's much to pray about. Uh, We want to pray for Sister Lori that's battling with cancer. We want to pray for David. He has um, had a fall, and he has bleeding in the brain. And um, his uh, family to Tim and Mindy, our local folks uh, know them. So we want to pray for David. We want to pray for Tracy. She'll be leaving in the near future on a California trip. We want to pray for her. We want to pray for Donna for healing. We also want to pray for Brother Cecil for healing in his body. And
0: for Jason, I forgot to tell you. Jason in our
1: chat, his family passed away. All right. Yeah, Jason T in our chat passed away. So we want to pray for for that family. We're we're so sad um, to learn of that. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We want you to continue to remember F O J C. We are on the firing line and in the trenches, and uh, we just pray. For the prayers of the saints, that's what we live on. Father, we want to come to you now in the name of Jesus, lifting up these requests to you. Father, we want to lift up David to you. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you touch the the injury that was caused by this fall, and just let it be healed in Jesus' name, and Father, we want to pray for Sister Lori as she's battling this cancer. Father, just let your healing touch be mightily upon her in Jesus' name. Father, we want to pray for Tracy that your blessings will just remain upon her in a mighty way as you lead her out on this trip in the near future. Father, we want to pray for the healing touch for Donna in Jesus' name that you'll just help her with the pain and the struggles that She is battling with and we want to pray for brother Cecil also that you'll just continue to mightily bless and strengthen him Father, we want to pray for the family of Jason T in this time of loss father We will certainly miss him and father We just pray that you just greatly comfort this family in this time of loss Father, we just want to pray for this lesson this evening that you'll just help me to bring forth your word and clarity and truth And Lord, that you'll just open the hearts of those that need to hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Worship the Lord for just a few moments. And we will be back with our study for this evening. Battle cry, crucify the world.
0: We're sorry, but because of copyright rules, you cannot hear my music. However, if you want to hear the message in its entirety with my music, you can join us on the radio page on Friday nights for the live audio broadcast at 6 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen on our podcast page at fojcradio.com. Here's Brother David.
1: Turning your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, and we're going to read the 14th verse. But God forbid... That I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified unto me, and I unto the world. We'll be reading quite a bit this evening several readings from a book entitled The Crucifying of the World over the Cross of Christ. It was written by Richard Baxter, and this book was first published in sixteen fifty eight. Richard Baxter was the leader of the Nonconformist Puritans. He was a very brave man, and he was a very hard-working man. And he is someone that uh, I hold in very high esteem. He's—I could call Richard Baxter my favorite Puritan. And this book is just so timely, and it speaks to the heart of us all so clearly that we're, we want to hear a lot from the heart of the man of God this evening. But he begins by saying this he said ever since mankind had a being upon earth the malicious apostate spirits have been their enemies it was will it was the will of our creator that we should be militaries in our iniquity and keep our standing and attain our confidence and glory by a victory or else come short of it if we lost the day no wonder that our lapsed condition must be militant. There was this understanding that we must fight. Crucify is a violent word. Crucify. That means you put it to death. That means there's a violent act by where we deal the death blow unto the world. And it's got to be a militant act upon our part. It's got to be a militant attitude. And he was so aware that there have been apostate spirits ever since Jesus rose from the dead. There are apostate spirits that are out and about. They are trying to get us to compromise with the world. And if we do not realize this fact that indeed the world is our enemy and that apostate spirits are indeed trying to bring us to that place of compromise, if we do not engage in that fight in a militant way, we will surely lose the day. A military term is used in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. In the book of Joshua, he was called the captain of the Lord of hosts, and it is Jesus who will lead us upon that battle, just like he led the Israelites in war against the giants in the land of Canaan. Brother Baxter said, when the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings, that he might bring many sons to glory, his next work was to form his army, which he did by giving first commission to his officers and appointing them to gather the common soldiers and to fill his bands. No sooner did they set themselves upon the work, but Satan sendeth forth his bands against them. We're in a war, my friends, and Jesus is marshalling together his army. We were ministering about Gideon's army last week, and it's just something that the Holy Spirit wants to press upon us, and he wants us to understand without any uh misapprehension that we're in a war. We are in a war, and that war is going to heat up, and it's going to get more and more intense in the physical and in the spiritual, and it was no sooner Then Jesus began to gather his disciples together, and he called out twelve to be apostles that Satan was infiltrating. He infiltrated with Judas, and he tried to sift Peter like wheat. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem, and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. The things that be of men this morning are those that say, we will not suffer, we will not suffer, but we will have the way of ease and comfort, but get behind me, Satan. We're in a war. We're in a war, and the soldiers in this fight, we must know and we must understand that there are ancient, intelligent spirits that are coming against us. They are trying to sift us like wheat. They are looking through each and every one of us to try to find that weak spot to where Satan can grab hold of us and destroy us. He is sifting through the ranks of the army of God, to find that weak person that he can turn against the camp with all kinds of tomfoolery. In John chapter 7 and verse 18, Jesus said, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And this is the attitude that we must have. The minute that we speak of ourself, we are seeking our glory. But the every time we lift up Jesus, we are seeking the glory of that one that sent us. Brother Baxter said this. He said, God forbid that I should glory The words contain Paul's renouncing the carnal disposition and practice of the false apostles and his possessed resolution of the contrary. And Richard Baxter knew at the time he wrote this, there was the controversy to conform to the political power of the Church of England and of Catholicism, and he chose to obey Christ And to defy them both. And we have to realize that it is the way of the false apostle. It is the way of the false prophet. That is the way of compromise. That is the way of the world. Get behind me, Satan must be our battle cry and our acknowledgement unto those in John in second Corinthians chapter four, second Corinthians chapter four and verse five. It is always the glory of the master that must be sought. And always you'll see those that speak of themselves. They speak of their own glory. Paul said in second Corinthians chapter four and five, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for his sake. Something we have to understand is a proper relationship with the world. And something that is also very needful, the crucifying of the world to us does not consist in our looking upon it as a useless thing or laying it aside as to all spiritual improvement. And a lot of people have this attitude. They have just absolutely given up on trying to make a difference, they have absolutely given up on trying to reach people for the gospel and this was there in the in the second and the third centuries. The monastic movement began to take place where people would just withdraw from society and they would become monks. But this is not the proper relationship with the world. We must crucify the world, and it opposes the things of God. But Jesus said this in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That same love for the world must be there, not a love of participation in the ungodly things of the world, but a love for the world that sent Christ to die upon the cross. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that must be our attitude. We must crucify the world as to its affections and lust, but we must love the world and we must have that relationship with the Lord whereby we can walk in the midst of the world not sullied by its sin and reaching out as a light unto those that need to hear the gospel. There are a lot of people that are just flat out lazy. And uh, Brother Baxter said on this, in uh, page 9 of his writing, he said, "...to be crucified to the world is not to forbear our lawful trades and labor in the world. He that bids us eat our bread in the sweat of our brows, and would not have him eat, that will not labor. All idleness is sinful." But that which is cloaked with the pretense of religion is double sin. And there are those, I tell you what, there's a guy now that I could call his name, and I won't. But this guy is just basically a bum. I mean, he's a bum, Uh, he doesn't work, and he never has worked. He's a bum. And he's now out there on YouTube promoting himself and... Some other people are selling enough to promote him as some kind of a, uh, a teacher. I mean, the guy is just a bum. And this is something that absolutely isn't of God. There have always been people like that, that they're just bums. Now, we want to look in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and we want to read a little bit of the parable of the talents. Now, what a talent is... It's a weight, a measurement of weight, and it is also a measurement of money. The Lord is, and also talent, means our talents, what God gives us in the measure, and also the physical and the material things that we have. And in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, the scripture says in this parable of the talents, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now we all have different abilities, and we all have different talents, but whatever God has given to us in our physical ability and in our, in our physical possessions, the Lord will hold us accountable for that. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that came and received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained the other two talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant, for thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at the coming I should have received my own with usury. So we need to understand, God will hold us accountable for what we do with our financial possessions, with our physical possessions, and also with the talents that he gives us. God does not tolerate laziness. Works get such a bad rap nowadays, but works, the Bible in the book of Isaiah, it says that any works that we perform whereby we might try to save ourselves or sanctify ourselves, they are like an unclean thing. They are worse than a menstruous cloth. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. But nowhere does the word of God call works of obedience filthy rags. In Revelation 2 and 26, Jesus said, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. It will be those that take the things that the Lord gives them and uses them for the kingdom of God. And that's all the Lord is concerned with. Always the Lord thanks kingdom. What will advance his kingdom? What is going to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And this should be the driving force of all of us. And we have to understand to do that We must crucify the world. Always. The Lord thanks kingdom. The Lord thanks kingdom. He wants us to take all of our abilities and all of our possessions to bring forth souls into the kingdom and to bring about his kingdom on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we must realize that Satan and his army of imps, they are out to get us to compromise, and to defeat us in our cause. The Lord has no use for laziness. In James chapter 2, verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. In James chapter 1 and verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We have talked in several scriptures lately, in lessons about the deception that the dispensationalists are forging upon the people that are unfortunate enough to listen to them, in that they will not be at the great white throne, and they will not give account for what they do. They actually teach that they're only going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, where they are going to be judged only for rewards. So we need to emphasize that everyone will stand account for what they have done with what the Lord has given them. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Lord is very clear that he has no use for lazy people. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and beginning in verse 6, now we command you, this is not a suggestion, this is a command. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he Eat. This is exactly where the word of the Lord breaks it down. No worky, no eaty. The Lord does not condone laziness. And like Brother Baxter said, there are people that will use, uh, you know, they'll say, well, I'm, f- I'm a full time minister. You know, I'm full time. You know, well, every minister of God is a full time minister. And that, and you know, Paul was a tent maker. The apostle Paul worked while he preached the gospel. And I, I tell you what, uh, the Lord just does not have any use for lazy people. A lot of people could take a lesson from bugs, and uh they certainly could. The bugs have a lot more going on for them than a lot of people. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6 and verse 6, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. It takes one of the tiniest little animals for an example. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Go to the ant. And the ants are very hard working. They're amazing little creatures. And it's amazing what that ant can do. And it's also amazing what we can do. If we just pray and work hard and are diligent to use that which the Lord has given us. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. It's time to get the armor on. It's time to get the helmet on. And, That's just the way it is, and we can see the battle lines that are being drawn. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, "...and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body." And be ye thankful. And this is another text that we like to look to often. It tells us that the peace of God is our umpire and that whatever we do in our life, that we need to have the peace of God within us going forward. And in Philippians chapter three, verse 18, there's everybody is going to serve somebody and everybody is serving somebody. You're either serving the world, or you're serving Christ. There's no in-between. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And there are so many people, and this is what the devil knows, he knows that most people will sell out if you get down to the place where there's going to be food taken out of your mouth. This is Satan's big game plan. They're working now on the a vaccine passport from the World Health Organization, and it will go into effect, unless something stops it, it will go into effect in about 11 months or just a little more. And then things are going to get real dicey. And right now, I just don't have many high hopes for these bright lights to do anything about it. But things are going to get real dicey. And people are going to have to decide if their God is their belly or if their God is the cross of Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And it's coming down to that. And it says their God is their belly and they mind earthly things. All through the book of Revelation, there are two groups of people that are talked about. Those that dwell on the earth and those that dwell in heaven. And the earth dwellers are those that mind earthly things and the ones that have crucified the world by the cross of Christ. They are the heaven dwellers and you're either one or the other. And we have to realize that we are in a place where we're in a war. We're in a war. It's coming down to some of the final battles. There are going to be some very serious battles fought in this war in the very near future and Money is called the root of all evil. In 1st Timothy 6 and verse 5, Paul said, "Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself." I was surfing through the television today and I was looking through the Christian networks and there was Paula White today. And I just thought, well, let's just see what Paula's saying. Paula, who is uh Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, and I clicked on it, and the first thing out of her mouth was, sow your seed, prosperity, give your money, give, give, give. The same old thing. That's all that they talk about. Gain is godliness. If you give your money to me, you can be rich like I am. And this is the same old song and dance. It plays out over and over and over. They are like a broken record. And don't expect them to change, because that's the only song on their turntable. And we are commanded by the word of God to turn away from them. And in Matthew chapter 6, Let's go and let's read the words of Jesus. And they are very clear, and they are very straightforward. They don't give themselves unto multiple interpretations. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and beginning in verse 19, "...lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal." But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this has to be our attitude. This has to be our attitude that our treasure's in heaven, that everything we work for is in heaven, and in Matthew chapter six and verse five, Jesus said, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And those that move to preach that gain is godliness, they have all the reward that they are going to have right now. Brother Baxter said this. He said, when once the world would seem to be your home, and promiseth you content and satisfaction, and is indeed the condition that you would have so that you do not heartily and desirously look any further, but with all your heart take this for your portion, then hath the world perniciously deceived you. And if you be not effectually recovered, will be your everlasting ruin. Wherever it be that presenteth itself to you of this world as your felicity is to be hated, opposed, and crucified. And I don't think a lot of people has the understanding that this is really a heaven or hell matter. This is something that if we're going to make it in this fight here on earth, it is a battle that we must fight and it is a battle that we must win. And as the Jews, Brother Baxter goes on, he said, and as the Jews would not endure to hear of Christ being their king, but cried out, Away with him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar, so we must thank and speak of the world when it would be our king. Away with it, crucify it. We have no king but God in Christ. And with that, we are going to take our break, and we are going to be back in just a few minutes with a whole lot more on the FOJC Remnant Gathering.
2: This is Tracy Vanet from He Walks With Us Everywhere over on YouTube. Knowing the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life, whether you know it or not, as David Carrico says... We are excited to bring you the sound doctrine we need to endure these last days. Our newest original series, Enduring Sound Doctrine, is now airing on my YouTube channel. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I like to say it's not a hop, skip, and jump to the end. It's an enduring. We welcome you to come over to He Walks With Us, one word, everywhere. And subscribe, like, and share. And please remember to subscribe, like, and share FOJC Radio's YouTube channel, Underground, One Word, Church. Thank you for listening to the content that we're presenting, and of course for your support and your love and your prayers. We hope to see you over there.
0: FOJC Radio Remnant family Sister Donna here I just want to thank all of you for your support and your love and kindness just wanted to let you know that here at FOJC Radio we want to reach the world for Jesus I know you know this verse you've said it as a child probably many times but as a reminder in John 3 verse 16, 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In order to do this, we have chosen to use many different avenues. We have our regular Friday night message with Brother David and then we have our Sunday Night Live and we have different people on it and then we have other Sunday Night Live programs with David and Tracy sometimes we're on Rumble and sometimes we're on YouTube you just never know who we might have on there but I just wanted to remind you all and thank you for your support and give us a listen on Sunday Night Live these programs usually start at 8pm Central Time you never know what we might be doing we're full of all kinds of surprises we want to reach the world for Jesus
2: Hi, this is Tracy Vinet from He Walks With Us Everywhere over on YouTube. Brother David and I are so excited to be bringing you a new original series entitled Flat Earth and the Scriptures. In Job twenty-eight twenty-four, it says, "For he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven." Do y'all know that there are hundreds of scriptures that refer to the true biblical cosmology of this earth? Well, we're looking to expound upon some of those in this new series. We hope it will edify and educate and maybe even entertain a little bit. So come on over and check out the new series over on He Walks With Us, One Word Everywhere. And also check out David and Donna's YouTube channel, Underground, One Word Church. Please subscribe, like, and share to the channels if you haven't already. And we just thank each one of you for your prayers and your love and your support. And we do look forward to seeing you all over there for this new series. All right. Take care and just know that the Lord indeed has made us unique and special. Wonderfully and fearfully have we been made.
0: Now back to tonight's message with Brother David Caracol on FOJC Radio.
1: Welcome back to the FOJC Remnant Gathering. And as I always do after the break... I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you that studies with us and that prays with us and that supports us with your gifts and with your kindness. We do appreciate it so, so very much. This Sunday night, Sunday Night Live, will be Tracy and I together, live, 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 uh, contact the fallen ones are here. I'm going to really be looking to forward to that, and I believe it will bless your heart if you want to check that out. Uh, This Sunday night. Um, I have some more things we want to share with you. Uh, We're not going to keep you real late uh, this evening. Uh, We had a little bit of a late start, but there's some more important things I want to talk to you about this evening. Very, very important. And, you know, I tell you what, this scripture moves my heart, uh, as they all do. In Acts, the fourth chapter, we've had some hard decisions that we've had to make. We've had to draw some lines in the sand and say to the devil and to the world, thus far, no more. And in Acts chapter four and verse 18, and it says, and they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. The intimidation of the devil to keep God's people from saying what they need to say. This is an old game that's been going on for a long time. They say you can't talk about vaccines, or we're going to censor you. You can't talk about the the transvestites and this un. Godly, sex-crazy government that we have. But we just have to say what we gotta say. How can we be silent? How can we be silent when our nation and our world is in the shape it is? So let them do what we will. We're going to have to speak and say the things that the Lord has given us to say. Brother Baxter said this, and he said this at a time When many Puritans were being thrown into jail, uh, they were being persecuted under the death, under the loss of their property, and Brother Baxter rose up as a leader of the nonconformist Puritans. He was a brave man, and he was a godly man that worked hard to see the people he ministered to make heaven. He worked hard to make sure that which he gave them was the truth from the word of God, and that their souls were tended after properly. And Brother Baxter said this. He says, subjects do owe much honor and obedience to the princes. And indeed we do. There's scriptures that tell us that we are to honor those that have the rule over us in the secular as well as the spiritual. A Christian should be the best neighbor and the best citizen that anyone could have. But he goes on. But if Caligula needs, will needs be Jupiter, or if they must hear as the Pope, Donimus, Deus, Noster Papa, or if they will usurp God's prerogatives and undertake his proper work, or will set themselves against his truth and interest and grow jealous of his power on which they must depend, and on his gospel and spiritual administrations and disciplines, disciplines, that it should eclipse the glory or cross their wills, Thus is the ready way to make them become base, and lay both them and their glory in the dust. The Jews ought to reverence Herod their king, but if once they begin to say, It is the voice of God and not man, no wonder if he be smitten by the hand of divine vengeance, and surely that's all that's left for America, the smiting of the hand of God's vengeance. We certainly are at a time where the arrogancy of those that would rule over us is at an all-time high. Their godliness is unprecedented. They are just an absolute mess, and I know that I am speaking under the choir, but when we think about crucifying the world we must understand that there are lines in the sand that we must draw when people will and, and the world will try to push us against the things of God. We have to take our stand and we have to tell the devil, do what you will. We're going to stand with the Lord, and we're going to say and speak his truth. Just go ahead and do whatever you can. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. There must be a violent crucifying of the world when it comes to crucifying the world's power when it would drive us against the very things of God. And Brother Finney, in his systematic theology, there are so many good things about it. And there's one part I really love. It talks about the obedience of love. And it talks about love being the highest priority. And it's interesting, but when Rahab the harlot, when the spies were on top of the roof and she hid them on the roof of her house, and when they came and they, they said, you know, where did the spies go? And she said, they went that away. And so many preachers will say, oh, she lied, she lied and well she did but do you notice that in the book of hebrews it puts her in the hall of faith for that which she did and i tell you what when it comes down to push meet, and shove i want to i want to be surrounded with rahab the harlot i don't want to be standing surrounded by these namby pamby preachers i want to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are going to say he went that away and we, we have to understand that at that time, the army of God was there going in to wage battle against the giants in the land of Canaan. And this young lady, this prostitute, risked her life to save the people of God. And for that, she was not rebuked, but for her act of courage, she was put in the great hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, in in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 17. And there are times when we just have to go against that which our government tells us. We just have to. And oh boy, we've all been there and done that, and I tell you what, it's coming. It's coming, and we have to understand That this is a part of crucifying the world. And we have to think about this right now. We have to think about it. You have to make your decisions ahead of time. And in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 17, and this was the time when Pharaoh was ordering the midwives to put the male children to death. And in Exodus chapter 1 verse 17, it says, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men, children alive. God bless you, midwives. We need some midwives, don't we? We need some midwives and some men and women that are ready to crucify the world. And when the world says to do that, which is wrong in the sight of our Lord, we are going to have to fear God and not do as the king Says there's so many people that think that if something is legal, that that makes it all right. And it's amazing, um, just amazing to me. I remember back when, uh, the Republican Party would be completely opposed to homosexuality and certainly to homosexual marriage. And today we have the log cabin Republicans all over the Republican party at the very highest levels. And it's now, it's, it's just now, um, it's to the place. Oh, well, we don't force it on you, but it's okay if we do it. Well, it's not okay. And in, in first Kings chapter 14 and verse 16, It says, and he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who did sin and who made Israel to sin. The king of Israel led them into sin, worshiping the golden calf, and because they followed the king and not the Lord, they were given up unto destruction. We have to know, and I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but we have to be aware that we must crucify the world, and this is a violent act. It's not violent. Well, you know, I can't say it might not be violent in the physical, because sometimes, you know, well, we haven't yet resisted under the shedding of blood, but um that certainly is not impossible, is it? And... Brother Baxter said this. I want to read something else that he said here. He just gets me fired up. But he said, when it would insinuate itself into our bosom and get next to our hearts and have our most delightful and frequent thoughts and become so dear to us that we cannot be without it, when it is the very thing that our minds are bent upon and that lifts us up when we have it, and cast us down when we want it, and thus disposeth of our affections and endeavors. It is time to lay such an idol in the dust. And this is certainly the way that we tell what, you know, and I've said over and over and over again, that people always do what they want to do. And if you don't love the Lord, and if you're not, if you don't love the Lord and hate the world, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna you're going to serve the things of the world, and not the Lord. In Mark chapter twelve, verses twenty nine through thirty one, and Jesus answered him, "This, the first of all commandments, is here: O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul." And with all thy mind and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And if that's what we love, that's what we'll do. And if that isn't what we love, that is not what we do. And it is time for everyone to really search their heart. And to see if there are any idols that they are not willing to slay in the service of our Lord. There is a, it's either one way or another. And we are coming down to crunch time. And now is the time to make those decisions, to make up our mind where we're going to stand and how we're going to roll in these coming, these coming days. In Ezekiel chapter 14, the prophet Ezekiel, examined the idols of the heart, and these are idols that no one can see but you and I, but those idols in our heart are those things that we set up there. It's just like Brother Baxter said, they are things that we don't think we can do without. If we have them, we're happy, and if we don't have them, we're not. Ezekiel chapter 14, beginning in verse 3, son of man, These men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face, should I be inquired of at all by them. Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. Now, just think about what the Lord is telling us here. That if you've got idols in your heart, and you seek after the prophet, or you seek after the Lord, it doesn't say you won't get an answer. But the Bible says that you are going to get an answer according to the idols of your heart. You're going to get misdirection. You're going to get those things that you think are of God that are going to lead you into destruction. Now is the time to make those decisions, how we are going to conduct ourselves. Brother Baxter says this, if father or mother would draw us away from Christ, though as parents they must be honored still, and yet As enemies to Christ, they must be contemned. When your honors would hinder you from honoring God, and your credit doth contend against your conscience, and your worldly business contradicteth your heavenly business, and your gain is pleaded against your obedience, it is time to use the world as an enemy, and to vilify those honors and businesses and commodities." We have to understand that this is the word of the Lord. How many people are going to be in hell because they're going to choose their job over the work of the kingdom? They'll justify more money and, and prestige or whatever. And they'll, they'll justify themselves staying in an occupation that they know is ungodly and wrong. How many people will be in hell? because of their families. And certainly, as Brother Baxter said, we must give honor where honor is due. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this one out. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. The first commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is what the modern religious establishment doesn't get. They think lukewarm's okay instead of spewed out. They think works are dirty instead of something that's commanded. They believe they can we've got an entire church that have buried their talents instead of taking their talents and resources in using them for the kingdom. This is a battle cry to crucify the world. It's a battle cry that we must understand. It's time to get on the ramparts and wage war against the kingdom of hell because I guarantee you the kingdom of hell, they're coming after us and they're doing everything they can to find a weakness in us. They're doing everything they can to find a weakness in the ranks that they might sift us like wheat and bring the work of the kingdom to naught. Brother Baxter said this. The world is to be crucified as it is the matter of our flesh pleasing or the food of our carnal affections and the fuel of our concupiscence. The grand idol that is exalted against the, this hath their hearts, their care, their labors, the pleasing of the flesh is the end of the unsanctified. Let me say that again. The pleasing of the flesh is the end of the unsanctified, and therefore the summary capital sin, which virtually containeth all the rest. And this is basically it. When people want to please their flesh, this is the primary sin people will do, what they want to do. But this is not an optional uh thing that people can either choose to do or not. And this is the way that many look at it because of the absolute confusion that comes across from so-called modern-day preaching. In Romans 8 and 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now, let's just have a full stop and run that by again. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. People that have the works of the flesh manifesting regularly, and you know, I, and you know, everybody, uh, I'm as human as all of you, I guarantee you. But there are people that have repeated patterns of willful sin and works of the flesh in their life. And if these things are not checked, This scripture will come home to them, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The works of the flesh must be mortified, and we crucify the flesh by faith in the cross, and dying to sin by faith in the cross. In Romans chapter 13 verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And that's where it is. That's where it is. We're in a war this evening and we have to have that battle cry to crucify the world. And there's so many decisions we're going to have to make in the coming days. And I know that you all are aware of those very things. I want to close with a couple familiar verses here that are so good for us to know and so good for us to have in mind. In the book of James, chapter 4, and verse 4, it makes the line of demarcation here so clear. In James, chapter 4, and verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. In the epistle of First John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And with that, we are going to close our study for this evening. As always, with thankfulness for all of you that joined us to hear the scriptures and that which the Lord would say to us this evening. Tomorrow night I will be with John doing that midnight ride thing and Sunday night Tracy and I will be live 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 in, uh right here in the FOJC radio studios doing uh, contact the fallen ones are here and I'm kind of excited about that. And with that, we're going to close our study out this evening with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you once again for being able to lift up your word. And Father, we just pray that this word go to our heart, that we must crucify the world. And Lord, just help us to be aware of those decisions and those situations that lie in the future for all of us. Father, just help us to be militant. Help us to be militant, help us to be aggressive, and help us to be good soldiers in the army of the captain of our salvation. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray that you open the hearts of those that will hear this message, and we will give you the praise for everything good that happens. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Thank you all so very much. And we will see you next Friday night, 6 p.m. Central, on the FOJC Remnant Gathering.
0: Thank you for listening and joining in fellowship with us here at FOJC Radio Remnant Gathering. You can contact us at FOJC, Post Office Box 671, Tell City, Indiana. 47586 or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com or you may call us at 812-836-2288 you can check out our website at www.fojcradio.com thanks and God bless